One of the criticisms of a company like Public Square going public is it actually opens the door for activist investors to get involved and to veer Public Square away from its original mission, which is to take on woke inks. What's up guys, CJ Pearson here. Welcome to the wrap up Unwrapped. This week I have my friend Michael Seifert, the CEO of Public Square, joining us. And it's a big, big week for him as he prepares to ring the opening bell at the New York Stock Exchange and begin a whole new chapter for the company. Michael, big, big day. How are you feeling? I'm excited, man. And you actually said it best at the outset that this is a start of a new chapter. A lot of people view going public as sort of an exit this finish line that they made it to, we actually see it the opposite. We think that this is ultimately our starting line. You know, we're a company that's just launched nationwide only a year ago, so we are so fresh in our journey. And the reason we wanted to do this now is because we want to be a company that's ultimately by the people, for the people, and owned by we the people. And when we can democratize the capital markets and invite our consumers and businesses that are on the platform to become owners in that platform that they've helped create, like this is how we take back the country through commerce. So I'm ecstatic today. I'm hopeful for the future. And ultimately, the boycotts have been successful of Bud Light and these other companies. But what's even more successful than that is taking the next step and putting our dollars behind companies that actually deserve them. And that's our long-term mission. That's what we're seeking to do. And at the end, we think we're going to be uh, successful. You know, I think that's an absolutely beautiful thing. It's been so good to see conservatives, I feel like, finally learn the value of their dollar or the importance of it, I think you should say. I think Target has shown us that. The Bud Light boycott has shown us that as well. So, Michael, walk us through how exactly you guys got here. Why did you even start Public Square in the first place. Man, I've been witnessing this for a decade of company after company, these multinational corporations that have become so far out of touch with the values of normal Americans. They've abused the values of normal Americans for all these years. And Target and Budweiser, Ben and Jerry's, Disney, like these are some of the recent examples. But this goes back to Starbucks. This goes back to Bank of America canceling credit cards for conservative consumers and businesses. This goes back to Bed Bath & Beyond deciding to make a political statement out of pulling Mike Lindell's pillows. This goes back to Goya Foods when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called for a boycott of Goya. And the boycott was so unsuccessful by the way, she called for a boycott because the CEO voted for Trump, which is a ridiculous reason to call for a boycott of a company. But that's what she did. Uh, the CEO doubled down and said, I'm not going anywhere. Why should I be ashamed of my political views? They had the most successful month of business they've ever had. In fact, Goya Foods, which is the largest supplier of Latin American foods in the country, was so successful that month a few years ago that they gave AOC Employee of the Month Award and they hung her picture on the wall. And he said, anytime you want to try to lead a boycott against us, go for it. I've been witnessing how woke corporations turn against Americans, but then the right types of businesses stand up for freedom and liberty in return and they get rewarded for it. And so our thought was, what if we could actually create this incredible network of businesses and consumers where trust would be fundamental to every transaction? Consumers could know with blessed assurance that they're not funding their opposition and more businesses like Goya Foods would prosper because they would be connected to the right types of consumers that would have uh, the success of their business at the forefront of their desires and it's worked. So we've worked hard to get here. It has been blood, sweat and tears. We have ran and ran and ran to get to this point. But as I said, CJ, we're, we're not coming to this day that's pretty monumental for us exhausted. We're coming to this fired up for the next chapter. We want to take on Amazon. That's where we want to go. And so uh, we know that we're very early on in this journey. 
You know, speaking of Amazon, that's been a comparison that has been often made between you and and in Public Square. Is that a comparison that you welcome? Are you guys actually angling to be kind of a conservative Amazon? What's the play there? Yeah, it definitely is. We're actually this fall launching e-commerce, so moving the entire uh, transaction experience from within our or from kind of in-app browsers to our actual website and app itself. So one shopping cart, multiple vendors. Uh, that's really going to allow us to streamline the transaction process and start to rival Amazon and Etsy. And we're also highlighting incredible small businesses as we do it. So one big difference between us and Amazon is that even when we have the e-commerce functionality live and released before the end of the year, and you're able to just make all those transactions right there from within the platform, uh, the businesses Amazon highlights are often these nameless, faceless brands that are just quick to your doorstep but have no story to tell. They're not a small business that's American-owned and operated. They're not a, a company that really cares about your local community at all. Even as we continue to grow and scale our, our commerce platform, we will always be highlighting the businesses that you can actually feel proud of supporting. 90-plus percent of the businesses on our platform are small businesses. They have a story to tell. They're run by a family that just wants to do good by this country. And in an era of globalism, we need to support local, national businesses that support our interest as Americans. And I'm really proud to say that it's working in the early stage. We have the foundation set. Now it's just a matter of executing. That's incredible. Uh, you know, earlier in the interview, you kind of sort of talked about the importance of trust and that being, um, you know, a critical part of the relationship between consumers and, and also the businesses that are on public. Square, what links do you guys go to to actually ensure that the businesses that are signing up for Public Square actually do support the values that you guys share? How do you guys vet these companies? That's a great question. Yeah, we have a pretty thorough vetting process. It actually starts with a business signing up for free. So when a business signs up, they see our five core values before they do anything else. And our five core values, you can find them at publicsq.com. Essentially, we love the country. We love families. We love life. We love the Constitution. And we want to make sure that the rights of every individual in the public square are protected. That central ethos, those five core values, businesses are asked to agree with that they won't respect, or excuse me, that they won't uh, spend time, money, or resource antagonistically against those values. So by respecting those values, that's what that means. And so you know that you're not going to fund businesses that are going to try to lecture you about gender ideology when you're trying to buy a pair of pants. They're not trying to turn the marketplace into progressive political uh, activist organizations. That's not what they're here to do. And so uh, once the business signs off on those values, they're actually passed off to a vet team. Our vetting team, we have about 10 plus awesome young research analysts, that's our customer support team, that uh, utilize a, a score that we actually created called the PSQ score that scrapes what businesses have said publicly online, for example, in their social media, and kind of compiles a score for us that we can use as a baseline. And then they go and they look and make sure that the business is quality, that the links work correctly, that they're selling quality products and then pushing them live to the platform. On top of that, we check in with these businesses every few months. We want this to be a relational experience. And so, you know, businesses right now, there's a lot of volatility in the market in small business America. So some businesses are selling and going under a change of control and all these things. We want to make sure that we still have relationships with these businesses and that just because they joined a year ago doesn't mean that they're not checked up on today. So all those things together have created a very trustworthy experience. We rarely have to deny businesses, which is good. Most of the businesses that are on it, like genuinely, uh, or that tried to be on it, genuinely wanted to be on it with us. And then the few where that doesn't happen, if they're a troll or they are maybe values aligned, quote unquote, but they actually uh, are not a family friendly business, whatever it might be, we catch those pretty quickly because of the vetting team. 
Very cool, very cool. You know, one thing that I think that Public Square has been able to really do really, really well is help conservatives kind of realize the power that they have with their pocketbooks, the power that they have with their wallets. You know, I've often been critical of those on the right because I feel like we get outraged about things. We say we're gonna boycott the NFL, we're gonna boycott this company or that company, but then we forget about it. I guess we're too gracious, maybe that's on us. But, you know, how has this helped fuel the success of Public Square? And do you think the conservatives have finally figured out really how to fight back against the wokeness that has overtaken corporate America? A long time we were called a silent majority. And I'm finally feeling like over the last six months, that's not the case about this movement anymore. It's normal Americans. I like to say often, I'm not even a really political person. I'm not driven by politics. I'm like a normal dude from 2006. The country left me behind. I didn't change. Like my values are pretty much the same as they were back then. I'm not offended by everything. I believe the country's a great place. I genuinely want to protect the Constitution. I believe that the Constitution affords my rights that are endowed by my creator, so government can't take them away. Like, these used to be fundamental principles, and they've been completely eroded by these cultural Marxists. And so, you know, I think that finally Americans are waking up and realizing, to your point, that not only do they have power with their voice and can speak their mind freely, and that they shouldn't be afraid to do so, because they're certainly not alone, But on top of that, their dollars carry immense weight, $50 billion plus in market cap eviscerated from just Target, Anheuser-Busch, and Disney in the last 75 days. $50 billion. Now, the thing I want to leave listeners with and viewers is that that money doesn't just evaporate. It's got to go somewhere. Like that's consumer purchasing power. That's investment dollars. So our hope is that that $50 billion plus would be transferred to the companies that are doing right by this country, that have not been robbed by ESG and DEI philosophies, that are actually prioritizing meritocracy, quality products, providing value for shareholders. Like Finally, I really feel like the wind's at our backs. And uh, it's a joy, obviously, to be you know on the tip of the spear of that commerce side of things as we're pushing back against this. That's incredible. You know, you just mentioned leaving things behind. No, so you actually just moved from the state of California to the free state of Florida. What prompted that move? I'm sure a lot of the people watching and listening probably have a pretty good idea of why you would make such a decision. Uh, but humor us for a little bit. Why'd you make that move? Well, a few things. On the superficial side of things, the time zone, if you know, we're a publicly traded company, being on East Coast time is a lot more advantageous. Uh, but past that, you know, on the deeper principled side of things, we had a really hard time sending a lot of uh, uh, payroll tax dollars and a, a lot of time and resource to the state of California that continually bu- uh, abuses our values. They take our money and donate to abortion. They take our money and try to push insane policies in cities that don't even relate to us. They try to tax our gas out the wazoo so we can't drive and communicate. I mean, California is turning it into the People's Republic of California, meaning communism, uh, and and we couldn't take part in that. I don't think it was a good utilization of our own dollars. And I ultimately, at the end of the day, I think it conflicted with our central sort of ethos as a company. That said, California has a part of my heart. It always will. It's a beautiful state. And there are so many incredible conservatives. A lot of people don't realize, but California has more conservatives than any state in the country besides Texas. So California is full of incredible people that love liberty. But when you're trying to start a business and then operate a business, then grow a business in a state that continually wants uh, you to decline in your success, they they prioritize uh, the disincentivization of your growth, it's impossible. So that's what we're leaving 
but what we're going to is a really incredible state that is excited about our growth. You know, Florida's turned into an incredible mecca for uh, the conservative movement. Uh, it's turned into an incredible epicenter of um, more uh, free speech focused thought and liberty minded Americans. And, uh, you yeah. know, there are other great states in the country that focus on things like that too. Shout out to our friends in Idaho or Arizona. But Idaho's a little too cold and Arizona's a little too hot. So we're heading to Florida. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree with your assessment of California. You know, having spent more time here uh, since joining PragerU. We're based in Los Angeles. You really can see the devastation that progressive policies leave behind. I'm talking about the lawlessness, the homelessness, uh, and it's done a very good job at, you know, unfortunately dirtying up uh, an otherwise very, very beautiful state and place. And, you know, while this isn't Fox business, uh, you know, to get into the mechanics of a little bit of, of the of the announcement that you guys are preparing to make. We're on the eve of you guys going public. You've assembled a really top-notch team. Uh, you've got Don Jr. on you guys' board, Nick Ayers, my friend, uh, who is a uh, Georgia boy as well, former chief of staff of the vice president. Of course, Amid Malik, who is a Wall Street guy. What went into putting this team together and how is it preparing you for this next chapter for Public Square? Well, I love that you brought up the team because that is our strongest asset by far. None of this works without the people. Uh, this company's always been by the people, for the people, and now it gets to be owned by we the people, as I mentioned. It's also led by people that the people really respect. People like Nick Ayers, who was Mike Pence's chief of staff assistant to President Trump in the White House, uh, an incredible startup founder in his own right, and has done a lot in the world of business. Uh, I was actually introduced to him by Don Jr., who wow. those two are great friends, and Don's been an investor in our company for a little while now and has been a great dear friend that wants the growth and the success of Public Square to continue. Omid Malik is an incredible story because he was a Wall Street financier. He uh, ran prime brokerage at Bank of America, had sort of the idyllic Wall Street career and yet woke up a few years ago and realized that this city is really run by some distorted characters that want the destruction of our country. And he's essentially made it his life mission to push back with a love for country and a love for constitution at the forefront of his personal convictions. So the Blake Masters, you know, Arizona uh, Republican nominee for Senate uh, last year in the election. Uh, we have incredible folks that are around this that are promoting this this movement as it continues to grow every day. And by the way, that doesn't just include poli uh, political figures. That also includes country music stars, people like Ray Lynn. Uh, that includes action sports, entertainment stars, Bethany Hamilton, Beaver Fleming, one of the top male skateboarders in the world. The cultural impact this company has had is uh, more than I ever could have imagined at this stage. And that's probably the most rewarding part of it, that this isn't just something that's sort of relegated to the halls of politics. This thing's actually a cultural movement because it has far more to do with the principles that we embrace than the political views. Well, that's, that's absolutely huge. I think it's a great point that you just made. You know, I will say this, you know, I'm definitely not betting against you guys, certainly not betting against the stock because it seems as if corporate America just can't seem to get its act together. They they continue to veer towards this woke abyss. Just when you think they would learn their lesson after Bud Light or after Target, I wake up one morning on the 4th of July, actually, and I see Ben and Jerry telling me and lecturing me about the fact that apparently we're living on stolen land. It seems as if they can't seem to read the writing on the wall but that's much to you guys' benefit. 
Well, and to take your point even further, part of the reason that these businesses don't see the writing on the wall, that this bet on wokeism is a bad bet, is because they're beholden to financial institutions that don't even judge them on profit anymore. They just judge them on their ESG score or their DEI score. So they think they can win favor and secure more loans and win over more of the institutional financial community if they'll just make sure that they're prioritizing their carbon emissions. And... We've seen that this is all a facade. In fact, last year, FTX, which was this massive crypto scam uh, that enveloped hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars with it, uh, actually billions, uh, FTX had the highest ESG score of virtually any company in the country. Wow. And yet, clearly governance was not that important to them. Clearly accountability was not that important to them. It was all a scam. By the way, this happens on the geopolitical scene as well. Sri Lanka is one of the uh, countries that has the highest ESG score in the world, and the country's in total disarray. It's one of the most corrupted nations on the planet. So ESG's a scam, DEI's a scam, but these businesses like Ben & Jerry's, that's their guiding North Star. And when Jamie Dimon, JP Morgan, all, all of these financial institutions, Larry Fink with BlackRock, decide that this is going to be their litmus test of success, how woke you are, those are the people you answer to. So this is what they do. Profits don't even guide them anymore. And uh, that shows how far off our economy has drifted. Uh, but we're here to bring it back. And we really think with this incredible movement of consumers, investors, businesses, that we can do just that. Speaking of financial institutions, to play devil's advocate here, one of the criticisms of a company like Public Square going public is it actually opens the door for activist investors to get involved and to veer Public Square away from its original mission, which is to take on Woking. So is this something that you guys have anticipated? Is this something that you guys have put in safeguards to ensure that that actually doesn't happen and that the Public Square that people have come to love and to know remains that Public Square? That's a fantastic question. It's one that we get often. There's actually a provision in this merger agreement with the SPAC as that's basically the vehicle that's taking us public. There's a provision that I will actually retain a majority voting control. So even if I don't own a majority of the financial control of the company, uh, what really matters is who gets to vote. Yeah. And in many company environments, um, those two are locked in. You know, how much you own is how much power you have to vote. In our situation, that's a little different. I've actually secured a majority of voting control with a special class of shares that I have in perpetuity. So as long as I own more than 50% of my position, which... I think this thing's going for decades to come. I'm trying to build a legacy here. Yeah. So uh, I'm not about to sell down my position, nor can I. I'm locked up. Uh, as long as I own more than 50% of my position, I actually retain a majority voting control of the company, which means we can't have an activist investor come in and hijack the company. We can't have BlackRock or State Street or Vanguard just try to come in and thwart the mission. That doesn't work in this scenario uh, because we have this special provision in the deal. So that's really important. It was actually a non-negotiable for me or our existing investors to go into this transaction without that in place uh, because I've always said from the beginning, if the only way to success was through compromise, I'd rather fail. Wow. I'd rather fail. I, 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 I didn't need this. I feel like I was called to do this. Our team wants to do this because we're trying to save the country. Like money doesn't guide us. Uh, what really guides us as a company is knowing that there's this incredible emerging market that we're a part of that needs addressed because no one is speaking to these people anymore. And now we get to. And we believe ultimately that the money will follow that. But the big goal for us is that we would refuse to compromise, stay the course, and this provision in this transaction allows us to do that. 
Well, Michael, you, you've got a supporter in me. I know that you have lots of supporters all across the country. And, and thank you for all that you're doing to empower people to take on Woke Inc. and to actually support companies and people that support our values and don't hate us. Uh, you know, it seems as if that's too much to ask these days, it seems. But again, thank you so much for joining us and hope to see you again soon. CJ, thanks so much for having me. Hey guys, I'm CJ Pearson. To keep videos like this free, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today right here on PragerU.com.